Spartacus! I'm 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 And welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network, Thursday, February 6th. Happy NBA trade deadline day. I'm J.E. Skeets alongside me. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Ayo. Ayo. We got the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm. <laughs> Last but not least, making the magic happen, it's J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. No Tass here this morning, but he will be joining us later tonight when we record our special No Dunks trade deadline recap podcast at least that's the plan right now you could expect that one around 6 30 p.m eastern time a little bit later deadlines at 3 p.m today we'll wait a couple hours because some trades start to trickle in tass will get in here and we'll record that i say maybe because look if nothing new happens at yeah. all then there would be very little point but come on you know things are always coming in can always talk about that survivor hype Oh, episode from last night. Absolutely, JD. I could I could give you a good 30, <laughs> 35 minutes on that. That was fun. Yeah, but look, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to No Dunks, so then you'll either know that there's a new podcast or not later here on Thursday. <laughs> there very, very likely will be a, a No Dunks sort of trade deadline recap podcast. Guys, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at No Dunks Inc. You know we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nodunksinc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. And email us your NBA questions and comments to nodunks at theathletic.com. We hit the beach yesterday to answer some of your cues. We discussed undervalued teams and players you would like to see win a ring. We got into Giannis versus, versus Zion. The Impractical Jokers came up. Mm-hmm. Um, always a blast, the Beach Steppin' Podcast. So that's up. We posted that on Wednesday afternoon. So go make sure you listen to that one. But here we are again on trade deadline day. We do have some deals to talk about, some reports at least when it comes to some of these. Let's start with the, the biggest name involved in some of these minor deals. Reports late last night that Miami, Memphis, and maybe OKC were working on some sort of three-team deal that would land the heat both Andre Iguodala and Danilo Gallinari. Though, this could be, as of recording here on Thursday morning, maybe just a two-team deal. Because we know, it seems like we know for sure that Memphis has traded Iguodala to Miami, and they'll be getting back Justice Winslow in that deal. In addition to all this, Iguodala has agreed to a two-year $30 million extension with the Heat, as part of this, second season of that deal would be a team option. But again, we're not sure where Gallinari fits into this piece. If he is, I guess you assume James Johnson and Dion Waiters are going to Memphis in this role. There's going to be picks, um, either protections taken off, former picks that some teams already own, or new picks mixed in. But let's just look at it like this. If, if, if the Heat come out of this with... Andre Godala, which seems to be the lock here, and Danilo Gallinari, without having to give up really any of their sort of like prominent young rotation players. What do you think about that? Does that make the Heat like the favorites in the East, second to the Bucks? What, what would you think if they pulled off this sort of three-team deal where they got both those guys? I wouldn't have them favorite, but I think they have certainly improved a whole lot. And yeah. I think Eagle Dollar is a fantastic uh, player for the Heat. I think he fits exactly what they want. Tough guy. 
He's he's a veteran. He's won. He can play both ends. You know he's going to finish games. He's a great defender. He's got all those accolades. And Danilo Gallinari gives them a little bit more offense, which which Iggy doesn't really give them. He's a shooter. He's a floor spacer. Mm-hmm. He's had a very good season in OKC. So we'll obviously wait and see on that. But obviously for the Heat, to, uh, it was going around last night. I think Tim Reynolds had it. That he only were under the cap by like $12,000 somehow. So exactly how they're going to maneuver all this to work is incredible. And then on top of that, they throw $30 million at the Eagle Dollar, of course, that second year is a team option, so right. it's it's probably a two or three million dollar buyout if they choose not to uh, to opt in for that. But I think for the Heat, they've gotten a very very good player who was out there and given up not all that much in return. Yeah. They've, they've basically just gotten rid of some contracts. By by the way, it sounds right now. We'll wait and see after three o'clock or even earlier. But uh, right now, I think you're going to be very happy if you're the Miami Heat. You've 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 improved your team. Yeah, that's exactly right. I still think the Bucks are definitely the favorite, but I think this would make the Heat the next favorite. Uh, adding Iguodala to me definitely helps. The Heat, we talk about how great they've been on defense. They're only 14th, you know. Good, not great. So adding another versatile wing defender, another option at least to throw at your Ben Simmons or your Giannis's or, I don't know, Victor Oladipo if you run into them in the playoffs, those kind of guys, that certainly helps. But Gallinari would be an even more important add, I think, just because it is you're increasing your depth with guys who you know are going to be able to play well in the playoffs. Iguodala's not a guy I think that, um, I don't know, I, I think we have this image in our minds of him from 2014, 15, and 16, which is when he was at the peak of his powers, won a finals MVP, and that's almost five years ago at this point. So Yeah, but he, he's, you're right, I, I agree with that to some extent, but he is just, he's proven over the last five or six years when he was with Golden State, he is just a playoff player. I mean, his numbers... They just always go up. He just has more of an impact on the games when he gets to the playoffs. I do think you're right, though. It's like, wow, we think he is like the difference maker maybe, and this guy is an older guy. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sure he stayed in shape. Yeah. I'm sure the biceps look great. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, what are we really getting from him at this point of his career? Um, but, you know, we know he's going to give you some defense at the very least, and he's been good in, in playoffs before, hitting threes and stuff like that. So it makes sense. And I like Look, he had 22 in game six against the Raptors. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He's going to show up in the playoffs. That's There's right. no doubt about it. Saying. And they gave up basically nothing. I mean, losing Justice Winslow, I suppose, hurts. But I still think that Iguodala is an upgrade over him. I just don't think that adding... Iguodala, a guy who hasn't played in six months, who is a bench player, is necessarily going to make you better than the Bucks. Yeah, no, I agree. Look, but I think what these moves say, if they both happen, if they pull this off and get Iggy and the Rooster there, Riley's, I mean, he's looking at the East going, there's a window here for us to compete for a championship. I mean, we're already sort of right there, but this is like really going for it when you've got Bam and Butler playing like all-stars and you do have the emergence of some of these guys in in Duncan Robinson and then your rookies who've played well during the regular season. They've sort of accelerated everything here. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is maybe one of those years where, you know, whatever reason, we maybe we don't even run into the Bucks, or even we like our chances in a seven-game series, that they are sort of maybe almost Raptors-like and have compared this team, this Heat team, to the former Raptors of last year, the similarities between the two squads. Well, this could be what the Raptors did at the deadline last yeah. year, you know, in making those type of moves um, for good, not superstar players, like be it Gasol last year and then maybe these two guys this year, but guys that just help your chances to win a playoff series. The right fit, yeah. for sure. And and again, I think you're looking at uh, if you face Giannis, you've got a couple of bodies at least to throw at him right yeah. now. I mean, Bam's a big athletic guy. Giannis is, is a better player than all these, but you just need to be able to at least have guys who can counter him. And we saw Iggy, again, a long time ago when he was fantastic on LeBron, even though LeBron still was great in the, in the finals. But he's that smart defender. He knows how to yeah. at least 
you know, muddy the waters a little bit. You'd rather have him on your team as, a, as an option than, uh, than what the Heat have right now because they're a little bit thin in terms of bigs like that. So you have, uh, you know, you have a, a great player in, in Iggy who's been there before as one, and he's only interested in winning at this stage of his career. So he won't care, I don't think, if he starts, if he only plays 20 minutes. He's going to have a role. And you know, again, at the end of the games, he can hit shots. He's not a great shooter, but he can hit important shots. And he's also capable of, of, you know, filling in as almost like a point guard if necessary. So he brings a lot of intangibles, I think, to the Heat. Um, but, yeah, he's 36. So, you know, there, right. there, there, there is also that. You can't expect him to play 40 minutes a night, and he's not going to give you 35 points a night. But uh, for a designated role, a specific purpose, I think he can be very impactful on that team. And then with Gallinari, I saw Kevin Pelton write this. If he gets to Miami as well, that Heat's defense seems pretty well suited for hiding a guy like Gallinari defensive limitations, right? I mean, especially when they play a lot of 2-3 zone and they just have all these great defenders around them. It's a lot easier to have a guy like out there, out there on that end of the floor that you're really turning towards, hey, hit big shots, hit threes, try and give us you know 15 to 20 a game, help us on scoring, we'll take care of the other side. Like, and we'll, they've been we'll doing it you. for an entire season, right? They've had, yeah. sometimes it's been Duncan Robinson as the yeah. designated shooter who's out there who's being hidden defensively, and sometimes it's been Myers Leonard, Kelly Olenek. There are guys that um, are all white guys. Who now we're adding Danilo Gallinari, another white guy, to be hidden on defense. Uh, but the Heat are going to be used to it. They have a system that's designed for it, and adding Iguodala as well, you know, it's just more defensive talent. His game is not dissimilar to Jimmy Butler's in that he can handle the ball, and then he's going to stick one of the best perimeter guys on the other end. So, I mean, adding two proven guys in Iguodala and Gallinari would be great, and if they're able to only pull off Iguodala, that's still... It's still huge for giving away guys who have been suspended on your team this year. Yeah, that's right. Mark Deeks, I saw a tweet last night. I can't remember any other time that a guy was salary dumped, did not play a minute for his new team, then somehow accumulated positive trade value and was dealt for assets. Deeks obviously talking about Iguodala. That's pretty damn rare. Yeah, I know he's uh, he's he's a special certain type of player because of his you know his uh, history in the playoffs with the Warriors and what he's done. But that is that is true. I mean, this guy has not even played, and somehow it also turned it into another contract, which is uh, incredible as it is. There, um, it's tough to sort of grade or really break down both the Grizzlies and the Thunder in this deal, this reported deal, because we don't really know where some of these pieces are going. But if it's just the Iguodala and it's just the Grizzlies sort of getting Winslow, is that a pretty good return, you think, for the Grizzlies and getting a young guy that has shown flashes of obviously solid defense, at times being a bit of a playmaker, just can't stay healthy? Do Do you like the idea of the young Grizzlies staying young, getting a guy like Winslow? Iguodala fell into their laps. They got a first-round pick out of it, and they're getting Justice Winslow, a guy who has been, at times, you know, has shown flashes of promise. The problem is staying on the court with him, for sure. But uh, he's a talented player. He's a playmaker. And last year for the Heat, he really found his rhythm, found his role, and they were able to turn him into a guy who can make a shot from the outside and set up his teammates. So, yeah, I mean, more ball handlers is always better in the NBA. So for the Grizzlies, as long as they're able to keep Winslow on the court, they got a first-round pick and a player with promise for a guy that was never going to play for their team. Well done. Yeah, just a contract, basically. So, uh, yeah, I like Winslow. We, again, we've, we, we've seen enough of him to believe that he can be a pretty good player. Uh, but if he can't stay healthy, then it's sort of it's a moot point. You know, he's, yeah. he's got to be able to fill a role and play it consistently because I think when he, when he does, you see it. He's versatile. He's very versatile. Good defender. He can shoot the three. He can uh, run the offense if needed. Um, and he's sort of he's an undersized 
guard or forward, I guess, I feel he plays sort of bigger than his position. So I think he brings a lot of potential. It's just how much of that are we going to see? And he's got a pretty uh, nice contract as well, so the Grizzlies aren't going to be stuck with it yeah. if, if things don't work out there. Um, but yeah, one of those guys that like we, we, just can't, we really can't figure out right now just how good he can be because something always seems to sort of get in his way injury-wise and uh, knock him out for uh, significant parts of the season. The Grizzlies got some internal business taken care of um, yesterday, agreeing to a three-year, $35 million contract extension with Dylan Brooks. He's making, uh, you know, $1.6 million this year. He was set to become a restricted free agent this summer. He's played very, very well. He's been, I think, just as, you know, John Moran gets all, got all the headlines and deservedly so, and Brandon Clark has sort of a steal, has been great too. Brooks has been just as important to the Grizzlies turning this around and winning all these games and being in the eighth seed. He's been awesome, um, and, and he plays hard defensively, and he's been a scorer for them. He gets this deal taken care of. I, I mean, I actually think this is a pretty good contract that the Grizzlies locked him up here for. I, possibly testing free agency could have warranted back a little bit more money that they would have been have to having to match on, um, especially in this 2020 uh, free agency. It looks like there's nobody. Good oh, job. For sure. I think that's a steal for a player like yeah. that. He he's really has broken out this year. So good good on him and good on the Grizzlies for, for locking him up now. So they've, made, they've, had, they've had a pretty good year, Memphis. Yeah, Kevin O'Connor, I saw the tweet. Yeah. Drafted John Morant, traded up for Brandon Clark, dealt Mike Conley for Jay Crowder and a future first, acquired DeAnthony Melton to take Josh Jackson, got a first to take Andre Iguodala, and then looks like they flipped Iguodala here for Justice Winslow. Well done. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we always talk about rebuilding and taking a few years, but... Uh, I mean, the, the trajectory they're on right now is, uh, you know, great. And they're in the playoffs and a legitimate chance to make the playoffs this season, which is great for them. Good year for the Grizzlies. Great week, though, for Dylan Brooks. He's been leading the charge, talking trash about Andre Iguodala, functioning as a mouthpiece for the Grizzlies. So no wonder they're happy to put ink to paper yeah. and keep him around for a little bit. The guy's going to be a hero in Memphis. That, Considering they uh, almost accidentally traded him, too. <laughs> that's right. Yes, <laughs> that's right. The Marshawn Dylan Brooks uh, fiasco. All right, well, we did have uh, an official trade. Again, that whole Heat, Grizzlies, Thunder, Iguodala, Gallinari, the other moving pieces, that's not. That's just report right now. Again, Iggy probably going to Miami. That's a that's a part that is done, but uh, we don't know the rest of it. Just, just quickly on that as well from the OKC side, uh, a little surprised. Until we know exactly, I guess, what's coming so back. So I guess Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill would be going to the Thunder. Yeah. There would be a, you, the, that pick. That This would be the big part of it for them, I think. Could, can OKC get Miami to lift the protections on that 2023 first-round pick that the Heat already owe them? That's lottery-protected, um, but I believe it actually even has to be unprotected for this to work uh, just because of the Heat's picks and their future ones that they do and do not have. So... I guess that's it. But you're right. I mean, it's a little little perplexing, Because maybe. they're having a good season. He's been very important to them. He's unrestricted after this season. Now it's You're so, saying he is in Gallinari. He is yes. Gallinari, yeah. Um, now, the Thunder already have a ton of draft picks coming back. So, um, and, and again, who knows exactly what Sam Presti's got working there. Maybe it's uh, not just for more assets. But I would just think, considering where they are in this season... Uh, that they probably would have held on to him. But, but again, we just, we just don't know exactly what it is they're getting in return. So, um, you know, never question Sam Presti. He always, he'll end up with some superstar player plus another three firsts out of it, I'm sure. So, but just, you know, I mean, they've been playing so well. Um, so I, I'm a little surprised that he is going to get rid of one of their key players for this season. But who knows? Yeah. Gallinari, just one more thing about him, actually. You reminded me. I like this move for the Heat if they get him. I do. I mean, he is. A, he can. He can get you buckets. He can shoot. But 
This guy is not a proven playoff performer by any means. He's barely been there. I mean, I, I was actually shocked looking at his basketball reference page here this morning going, that's it? He's played under 20 playoff games? Mm. I mean, he's never been out of the first round, um, I, I believe, only playing twice in Denver. And then last year with the Clippers, now he scored 20 points per game in the playoffs last year. He shot 35% and only 30% from three. He has struggled to shoot the ball in any playoff appearance in his career, and not a lot of it. But, uh, you know, there's not a lot to work with. I get it's a small sample size. There. Yeah, I imagine he would have some more playoff appearances, but he's had quite a few seasons end yes, in injury. That's a good point. Um, but he's also not going to be relied upon in Miami as a number one guy. You're adding Gallinari as an upgrade over, you know, all the the random fours that they've ran out there this year. Like, I would rather, even though he doesn't have a proven track record, when it comes down to crunch time, you're going to prefer Gallinari to Derek Jones Jr., you Hmm. know, that kind of thing. So uh, if you're able to add a player of that quality for guys you're getting in another trade, Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, do it. We do have an official trade here, sounds like. The Kings shipped angry Dwayne Dedman. And some second-round picks to the Hawks for Jabari Parker and Alex Len. Alex, don't steal my sunshine. Len, (laughs) shout out to Tassie there. Uh, Those second-round picks, Houston's 2020 and Miami's 2021. So, wow. Did the Kings pivot quicker than a sleazy politician (laughs) with the signing of Trevor Ariza and Dwayne Dedman in free agency and then have traded both of them before the All-Star break? (laughs) Corey Joseph, still there. Still there. Um... But what did you think about this? Let's let's start with the let's start with the king side of things. Moving on from a guy that obviously wanted out anyway, he went on record, got fined fifty thousand dollars in Deadman. They had already moved to Riza. Some of those deals, those vets coming in that some of us were excited about. I like the idea pairing them with the young players. I mean, they backfired. <laughs> like it just didn't work, and they uh, you know cut their losses quickly. Yeah, uh, Deadman. They he got a pretty good contract. I thought out of the Kings, three years and forty million. Um, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that it's blown up already is, is is not a good sign. But I guess if you are the Kings, it's like, you know what? We did it and we can actually correct this mistake before it lingers for too long. But Deadman's been asking out. For, it feels like since like Thanksgiving, you know, like it lasted about two months. Yeah. There. Um, uh, you know, coming to Atlanta, I think it's not bad. He's another big body. So it's going behind Capella. There's, there's just a few more bigger guys who can rebound and set picks for Trey Young and things like that. He's played here before. He terrifies me when, uh, yeah. when <laughs> down here at the Fortress. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, uh, you know, Jabari Parker, man, his career is uh, is in a spin right now because we know he can score. He's, there's no question he can, uh, you know, get the ball in the basket, but he just can't play defense. And uh, he has a player option next year for six and a half million. But and uh, early on in the season, he was scoring. I thought maybe he will, he, he'll, he'll opt out of that. But right now, I think he'll probably pick it up because I don't think there'll be a huge market for him. So Jabari Parker is 24. I know. This is his fifth team. He's 24. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 15. What's the record? 12? He's well on his way yeah. here. Like a Chucky Atkins? Uh, yeah, or like yeah. a Jim Jackson yeah. or something like that. Chucky. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think this, with from the King side of things, yeah, like, isn't this just solely to open up more money to try and keep Bogdanovich? I mean, that's what it feels like. They, they have more financial flexi- flexibility. It could be somewhere between, like, 7 and $13 million. Some of it de- does depend on what Jabari Parker does uh, with his player option. I'm, I'm sure he's going to keep that. Um, but... That's like, isn't it now they can sort of get closer to like a $20 million type of deal for Bogdanovich in restricted free agency with, you know, without having fears of the luxury tax coming into play? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Um, because when they signed Ariza, Deadmond, Rashawn Holmes, and Corey Joseph, everybody's like, how, how are they going to possibly be able to play Buddy Heald and Bogdan Bogdanovich? And then, you know, they paid Heald basically right away. So the squeeze is on, but 
Bogbog is a guy you want to keep around. I think he's a really solid player. I mean, it's hard to shake seeing how dominant he was playing in the FIBA World Cup. Will we ever see that as a lead guy in the NBA? Who knows? But he's still a quality player. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're able to just hit the reset button completely on the worst deal you gave out, I suppose that's a good move, especially if you're able to then uh, keep a guy who's going to really matter for your team. Yeah, what's odd about this, though, now is, you know, Buddy Heald is coming off the bench. Buddy Heald makes a lot of money to come off the bench, and it's like, can you keep like that? Um, is It's working. You know, the, the Kings have sort of played a little well here over the last little bit, um, but that's going to be something to watch. They're just a strange, strange team, but... Yeah, moving on from their sort of vet mistakes, given this guy's like, well, Denman, Dwayne Denman's laughing right now. I mean, he played well in Atlanta for two years. Well, I mean, it was like he wasn't killing it, but he was like hitting the three. The best Dwayne Denman we've ever seen. Yeah, sort of a stretch big. Obviously, he's, he's some physicality inside. Goes to the Kings, gets paid handsomely. Mm. And then, yeah, a month into the season says, get me out of here. Also, <laughs> he couldn't hit a damn shot in no. Sacramento. Like, he stunk. Um, he shot like 20%, under 20% from three. So whatever he was hitting there with Atlanta, that disappeared. It'll probably come right back to him now that he's, uh, <laughs> he's back in State Farm, back in the Fortress. But he gets paid, and then he's like, all right, well, he just goes back to Atlanta. And, yeah, he's now he's a little bit, you know, on the pecking uh, sort of chart roster, he's the back, He's the third big of yeah. their two bigs, which is going to be Capello when he plays and uh, John Collins, which is I mean, the role that Deadman should be playing anyway. He should be your <laughs> the role he big. was playing. I feel like yeah. he didn't actually want to be in Atlanta. At the trade deadline last year, he was definitely a trade target because he was coming off the bench behind Alex Len and John Collins, but, you know, he made $40 million yeah. off of it, and then he gets to come back and do the exact same thing. People called Dwayne Deadman a stretch big, and it's because he played in Atlanta. He only made threes literally in Atlanta. Yeah. They didn't yeah. shoot him basically before that even. So I don't know. Maybe he just needs to be back here, get the get the value back up in three years, hit the market again, sign somewhere, and then come on back. Yeah, and the Hawks do get those second-round picks uh, in exchange there, uh, giving up Jabari Parker and Alex Lyon. Sacramento has a ton of them still. They have three second-round picks in 2020, and they've got two in 2021. So they had second-round picks to throw around here to try and get off the Deadman contract, and they did. All right, final little minor one here. Philly has acquired Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson III, trading three second-round picks to Golden State to get those two guys. Dallas is 2020, Denver's 2021, and Toronto's 2022. Three second-round picks to get two guys that could shoot the ball pretty well. Or played well in Golden State. They could be rentals, of course. They're both um, you know one-year minimum salary guys. But Burks, 16 points per game. Shooting 37.5 from mm. three. Glenn Robinson the third, 13 points per game. 40% from three on, you know, three and a half, three-point attempts. What this is think? like when the Sixers got Ilyasova and Bellinelli at the deadline a couple of years ago. Just a couple more three-point shooters to try to spread the floor out a little bit because we know of their congestion struggles on offense. They need guys who can just go out there and, and hit threes. Um, so it's not bad. But this deal as well requires the Sixers, I think, basically to waive two other players to make it still work. So that one's still kind of pending. Right. In that Either sense. additional trades here before yes. the deadline from them to create roster spots or yes, or they're waving guys like Burke and, you know. Jonah Bolden, yeah, I saw the name batted yeah. around. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, so it sort of has a familiar feel to it yeah. for, for Philadelphia. They, 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 you know, make their playoff push with guys who can just come out there and shoot threes. Um, so will it work for them this time? I'm not sure. I like Burks. I mean, Burks is at El Tizo, though, as well. I think oh, man, yeah. we've seen him over the course of his career at times. He goes on these stretches. You're like, okay, yeah, he is good. He gets a contract. And then at times you just think, man, he's, he's struggling to even 
you know, find minutes. Um, so it's probably not a bad situation there in Philadelphia because they need guys who can shoot. They need they need these guys to come out and uh, and knock down shots for them. So he's going to get an opportunity, I would think. You compare it to Ilyasova and Bellinelli, but it also might be a little bit like getting Mike Scott and James Ennis and Jonathan Simmons where one of those guys isn't even playing anymore. Jonathan Simmons was a guy who had a lot of hype when uh, he came to the Sixers for the in the Markel Fultz trade, and then you didn't see him at all come playoff time. I think that's what will happen to Glenn Robinson. He's not much different than James Ennis, and James Ennis has been there and gives you a little bit more on defense. The good part about it is getting Alec Burks, he can handle the ball a little bit. I would mm-hmm. be a little hesitant to ra- to wave Trey Burke or Howell Neto. I still think there's a that you need a guard. You don't just need shooting. You need somebody to make plays, and Burks has done a pretty good job with the Warriors making plays, but I don't think this totally addresses the need. We just think the Sixers need shooting. The Sixers need shooting. Look at their three-point percentages, but I don't think it's as easy as that. These guys aren't going to be able to really get their own shot. Glenn Robinson, I definitely don't think will be <laughs> jacking them up, but uh, you're not giving up much, but that's what you get when you don't give up much. Three second-round picks, this is probably what you can expect. Yeah, it feels like the Sixers have like six or seven now, like, I don't know, two threes uh, mm-hmm. at that position that Brett Brown's got to figure out who can hit shots and who can play, right? Like, there's so many. Like, Furkan, you know, Mike Scott I include in that. I know he's a little bit bigger. Obviously, Tybal giving you defense. There is James Ennis. Uh, there's Sheik Milton. There's Zaire Smith still. Then you got these two new guys. Like, there's just a lot to pick from. That's, that's like, really bench guys I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about the starters. Um, so that'll be uh, be fascinating to see. But you're right. I mean, maybe one of these guys is a, is a difference maker. Like James Ennis played well at times in playoff series for the Sixers. Yep. Like he was sudden, you know, he was really important in some games. So maybe they hope to get that from a Burks. It does feel a, you know a little bit sort of unsure of what they're doing though still in Philly because they've got so much overlap. It's like we just we've got to get so many guys out there just to try to spread things out because their main problem exists uh, remains though still. And that's Simmons and Embiid sharing the floor and clogging up the paint and their offense slowing down. And, and Horford hasn't been able to unlock that. So, uh, you know, I think it just feels a little bit like Elton Brand's like, all right, just get some more shooters, see if that helps. And maybe they try to then uh, stagger the minutes somewhat with Simmons and Embiid. Um, maybe that'll help unlock things a little bit. But uh, the way they've been playing, certainly since the start of the calendar year, Philadelphia is not certainly not as convincing as they were earlier on in the season. Definitely not. Uh, as for the Warriors side of things with this, I mean, Hollinger, um, he, he has your write-up on The Athletic. He, he explains it pretty simply. This trade had value at nearly any price because it allows the Warriors to cut money, you know, millions from their luxury tax bill. Nobody was going to be shelling out, you know, late first-round picks or even high second-round picks for players like those guys in Burks and Glenn Robinson III. So... They get as many shots, you know, as they could here with these second rounders. You never know, but it just really it just cuts costs. That's all it is. Tax bill drops from like 9.3 million to 3.4 million, and the team is a little bit above the tax threshold. They still might have some moves around the margins to get under that. They do have to fill out their roster. They don't have a lot of guys, <laughs> so there might be some two-way guys there that they uh, eventually, you know, um, sort of switch over. But that's all it was. Cut, cut you know, just cutting costs uh, for the Warriors and. They're on their way there. All right, let's get to some of last night's action. The Raptors beat the Pacers for a team record 12th straight win. Raps down 19 in this one. They come back to win 119-118 to set that franchise record. Uh, They were down big very, very late. I I have to admit, I thought the Pacers had won this game. They had played well. They hit a ton of threes. They hit 19 threes. um, And they, they just hit those timely ones when the Raptors had made it close. It was like a holiday hits one, you holiday, know, Brogdon yeah. hits one. You're like, okay, 
a good fight there from the Raps, but the Pacers outplayed them, and somehow the Raptors finished this game, you know, scoring the final 11 points when they were down 11 with like four minutes to go. Who was the best player for the Raptors last night? I mean, Siakam was brilliant. Kyle Lowry, I thought, was magnificent. 32-10-80 hit that huge three that really sparked it for them, yeah. And then uh, Serge in the fourth quarter hit some big shots, couldn't hit a three, and then he hits the one that actually gave them the lead and, yeah. and they went on to win. I, I thought those three guys were just so good. This was one of this was a really fun game to watch, yeah. I thought. It was, there was so much action, so much uh, back and forth here. And Indiana are probably going to wake up this morning wondering how they blew this because they seemed home. It seemed one of those games where they just did enough to, to, to get the win. The Raptors couldn't quite sort of get over the line there, but then they did in those last couple of minutes. Uh, really, really fun game to watch. And Serge hitting the three on Scarf Day was just uh, magnificent <laughs> That's stuff. That's right. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you on this. I think the big, big play was when Siakam went one for two at the line, and then the Raps put that press on. And, you know, it confused the Pacers, and Siakam just made a beautiful play. Like, there was the trap in the backcourt, and then there was going to be sort of a little lazy lob pass into the front. I think it was Brogdon throwing it ahead. And oh, Siakam yeah. just... I mean, just like the speed and the length, and he just like deflected it, and then they went the other way, and he scored the layup. I mean, that was the huge, huge difference maker to go along with, obviously, Serge's three there. And then, and then the craziness at the end, too. I mean, Pacers had chances mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. Uh, to still win this game. Um, Oladipo got a great look at a, at a three that didn't drop, and then they got the rebound, and, and the Raptors' defense was just slapping at everything and came up with the loose ball. Yeah, watching this, it made me think if there's some way – the Pacers could get somebody that plays defense on the wing. That would be a huge improvement for them because uh, seeing Justin Holiday trying to stick Pascal Siakam in the fourth quarter it was like, oh boy, maybe Justin Holiday is the best player for the Raptors because he could not keep Siakam out of yeah. the lane. And that's how he was getting to the free throw line. That's how he was creating for others. And then suddenly it's a bing, bing, bing. Powell's fizzing around the perimeter and somebody has an open shot. Uh, that's a skinny guy, Justin Holiday, and you could see that he was just not able to hold up physically against a guy like Siakam, who they could certainly run into in the playoffs. And in that case, like, who's going to be guarding Siakam? I don't really think they have the guy for that. Oladipo, perhaps, once his uh, once his body is completely right, is able to, to move up a position, but even then he's given up a bunch of height. Their big guys are a little bit slow-footed compared to Pascal, so that's a tough matchup for them, but certainly they could have used an Andre Iguodala or yeah, something like that. Yeah, and look, Holiday shot the ball great. He was 6-for-9 from 3, Brogdon 4-7. Of Again, they hit 19 threes. That's a season high for the Pacers, but they allowed way too many points off turnovers. They had 19 turnovers and uh, – Relating into or turning into uh, 27 points for the Raps. So Raptors are 37 and 14, guys. Best record ever after 51 games as the fire trucks blare in the background. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's just not a show without them. No, it really no, isn't. No. Uh, it is remarkable considering they had Kawhi Leonard last year and didn't have this good a record. You know, no one no one expected the Raptors, Raptors to be quite this good without him. But, uh, man, they, they uh, it, it's, a, it's a fun place to watch the Raptors come back from a, a big big deficit and win that game last night. That was that was awesome to watch. Got to give some love to Alex Wong, who called this 12-game win streak from the Raptors back in mid-January. He saw the schedule. He said, they're winning 12 in a row right there. The tweet's <laughs> out there. He's got the receipts, and he nailed it. And I thought, oh, man, when they were down big, I was like, oh, he just came up short. I had my tweet ready to go to, like, say, man, you were so close. And then, oh my God! Here come the here come the Raptors. What's going on here? He called it a twelve game win streak. That's he also called the Raptors finishing with the second seed, fifty five wins this season, with like a ninety nine percent sure rating on it. Wow, he might be right on that one too. My goodness, he's the future. He really does. He is the oracle, Alex Wong. Uh, another great game. 
Jokic leading the very shorthanded Nuggets past the Jazz, 98-95. The Joker, 10th player in NBA history, according to Elias, to have a 30-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist triple-double. And just the second one in 35 years joining DeMarcus Cousins to achieve that in a win. The Nuggets had seven guys going in this there was one guy I've never even heard of. <laughs> Who? P.J. Dozier or no. Vlatko Kankar? Yeah. That, that second one that you butchered his name, I think. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Dozier, but I haven't heard of that second guy, but he was getting some minutes. Those were the only two guys coming off the bench, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they pull this out um, against, the you know, obviously a talented team in the Jazz who are reeling a little bit right now, but uh, – that's a that's a special win. Like that's one of the best wins. Uh, you know, I saw Nuggets fans saying in recent history. Really, I mean, just to go in that shorthanded in into Utah and get that done. That's amazing. On yesterday's beat show, we were asked, "Is Rudy Gobert actually a good defender or not?" We we couldn't. Uh, there were some people who thought he's not that good just because he stands there and blocks shots at the rim. But last night against Jokic, he he seemed to be swatting at flies. But Jokic has just got that so such a unique style of releasing the ball and flicking it up and yep. flipping it around that it's hard to block. And that game-winning shot from Jokic with about a minute to go. It's the Dirk, but it's like it's a it, it's a new age Dirk because he just turns <laughs> around. He's got that one leg. He's done it a few times. This is not like a oh, fluke or anything. Oh, does it all the time. Yeah. And it's like you can see something's coming, but he's and, and he's so slow, but he still gets it away, and defenders can't get up and contest it. It's incredible. That is the driveway dad Dirk. <laughs> yeah. All right? Here's what I mean by that. <laughs> Current Dirk. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Retired. Maybe. That is, that is dad playing his young kid yeah. <laughs> in the driveway, and mom's yelling that dinner's ready, so dad says next point wins. And yeah, he's a giant man, so he could take his son down into the block and score an easy little hook shot, but come on. Dad's going to make it a little interesting. <laughs> a little loft on so it. So dad's going to put a little loft on it, flick it up there. That is the driveway dad Dirk. That is what I'm calling those Joker game winners that he hits like every <laughs> two weeks. Yeah, um, He made 13 of his 14 field goal attempts with Rudy as his primary defender. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> It was a really, really quality win. I think here. he had two dunks too. I, I saw. I definitely well, did, mm-hmm. if we're calling those dunks, well, the, there was definitely one, the two-hander baseline, and yeah. then there was the other one, sort of on a broken play where he, you know, he got his hand above the rim he and did. let go of the ball. <laughs> he did. He did indeed. He didn't want to really touch the rim. Uh, Jamal Murray too. Awesome. And he is coming back. This is back-to-back situation for him. Obviously, this is a back-to-back situation. I should have said for the Nuggets. And he is uh, still on a bum ankle. You just visibly see him sort of limping around still at times. And to do what he did, I mean, 31 points, um, huge. They don't win this game without Murray playing like that. That's just a great, great Denver win. Um, And, again, everybody on their roster injured or some of these guys being involved in these sort of trades, the the big four-way deal, four-team deal, I should say, with all those other teams that happened the day before. So, um, yeah, to to go into Utah with only seven guys on a back-to-back and pull out the victory. Well done. That's very, very well done. Final one I just wanted to touch on from last night, Clippers. Ride a big fourth quarter to beat the Heat, 128-111. Clippers made a franchise record 24 threes. They moved the ball against that zone defense. <laughs> and uh, when you do that, you'll find good looks. You really will. You just have to knock them down. And that's exactly what they did, especially late. Heat made this like a six-point game, and then uh, really it was Landry Shamit catching fire. Scored 10, 10 straight for the Clips. And guys just, they like, they just couldn't miss threes late in the game. Good win from the Clips. And this wasn't even like a Kawhi domination or even Paul George. This was like these other guys, for the most part, 
just hitting open looks. That's a season high in assists for the Clippers, 35, which for this team is quite incredible, I think. You, you mentioned it, Skeets, that when you're playing against the zone, you got to move that ball, you'll get to. open shots. But this is a team that gets most of their points off isolations between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Those are ISO guys. You know, Lou and Montrez Harold, they run the pick and roll. So there's not a ton of assist opportunities necessarily out there, but the ball is fizzing around, and the Clippers clearly have managed their load well enough that they are peaking heading into February. Yeah. So, you know. Interesting team to keep your eye on today for the Clippers, too. There's been a few suggestions that they're looking to make a move. So uh, I wonder if they will. I wonder if they will, because that locker room hasn't been uh, all that peachy, I don't think, this season. So why do you say that? Well, there's, I mean, Montrez Harrell's has, has called out the team that we've seen yeah, he articles. Called out the team as they lost. He says we're not yeah, as good as we think uh, we are. but I just, I, I mean, they've they've been uh, they've been linked to a few different moves. Well, so. no, Marcus Morris definitely yeah. is is in, is in play here. It seems like both the LA teams are trying to have a go at him, uh, especially yep. now that Iguodala's off the board. Yes, yes, and uh, and, and of course now that. Uh, Mills has been fired in New York that there's a possibility that, yeah, they are going to move Marcus Morris. Like, mm. I'd be shocked if he's not moved by the 3 p.m. deadline here today. Well, speaking of Steve Mills being fired, he has been replaced already as Woj and Shams are reporting that CAA player agent Leon Rose will be the franchise's next president. And Shams is additionally reporting that the Knicks have begun finalizing plans to bring William Wesley into potential oh basketball ops. Goodness. Worldwide West himself. Oh my goodness! Okay, well, I guess Raptors fans breathe a little sure. sigh of relief with the the rumors that the Knicks were maybe chasing Masai Ujiri. Though we did say yesterday, I don't know, can Dolan wait that long? Can he, <laughs> yeah, can, can he actually look that far into the future and maybe uh, you know play the long game? No, I guess not. There had been rumors, of course, that they wanted to do this sort of uh, agent route, like we've seen the Warriors do with some success. And uh, help me, who's the other team that had some success with an agent? Uh, I'm telling. Oh, there's Detroit. another one too. Warriors and Lakers. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lakers. Rappelink. I couldn't think yeah. of them there for a second. Okay, so Leon Rose, Leon Rose, whose clients have included Joel Embiid, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Carmelo Anthony, Kyle Kuzma, and Dun Dun Dun, Carl Anthony Towns, Ooh. the disgruntled cat himself. Wow, my goodness! <laughs> All right, little breaking news. Interesting. Carl break. Anthony Towns. I believe he's from the New York area oh, as boy. well. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, Interesting. Boy, don't do this to Wolves fans right now, man. Oh, it's dark days in Minnesota. Um, all right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Well, Lee, you slipped it in there. Yesterday was scarf day for the Toronto <laughs> Raptors because for the first game after the Viral clip of OG Ananobi and Serge Ibaka arguing about who found out about fashion and scarves first. <laughs> Both of them showed up wearing incredible scarves to last night's game. The first tweet, what about scarves? OG Ananobi with a Burberry scarf down to his feet, somehow also wrapped around his neck and head. Very long. Quite the look. Yeah. You think there's not going to be any way we can see a crazier scarf than this. And then you see the Serge Ibaka scarf. I've been in the scarf game 10 years now, and he is wearing a blanket as a scarf yeah. around his neck. <laughs> that thing looks so cozy. So, of course, the Raptors are tweeting, who wins the scarf off? Then they got a picture from the Raptor. I've been in the scarf game for 25 years now. This guy shows up with a scarf. Raptors pull off the win on a Serge Ibaka game winner. Their tweet, we do art. Yeah. 
because he doesn't just get dressed. He does art when he's getting dressed. But my question to you guys, who won the scarf off? Serge. Serge. I, I liked what OG was doing. I mean, he got very, very creative, like you said. <laughs> yeah. uh, wrapping it around his head and then his neck and then it going still to the floor. <laughs> but Serge... Uh, like you said, it was a blanket. It was the Lenny Kravitz, like, giant scarf. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he goes out and performs, too. Actually, OG had a garbage game. Mm. But yeah, he's not. He's that. this is the last time he's going to be wearing a scarf like that. He was not good in this one. But the big scarf energy, as people were <laughs> tweeting from Serge, Serge wins, man. Hands down. Yeah, I got to go with Serge, too. He just, he, he backed it up. He owned it. He owned that moment. He looked great. And then he performed. Yeah. It's a way to do it. I mean, I forgot. You got in OG's head. I actually was upset for the first time ever living in Atlanta that it was too warm today. Because I, w- I had plans to wear my big, fat, chunky scarf. <clears throat> Not nearly as big as Serge Ibaka's, but, uh, you know, for whatever. We could get some uh, social media content out of some scarves we'd be wearing, but it was just too damn warm. And well, like, we're doing it tomorrow. Oh, wow. We're wearing thick <laughs> oh, scarves. a day after Scarf Energy. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh-huh. Okay, that's fine. And I'm we'll cool. have a poll-up real quick on our uh, profile, on our Twitter page right here. I'll oh. let you guys know who everybody thinks won the scarf off. Okay, excellent. Picking results from last night in the association. We had the Heat Clippers game. L.A. was favored by 7.5 at home. And they got it done. They got the victory. Pulling out the uh, 128-111. Caught fire late. So that's a win for Tass and Trey, who took the clips. Lee and I had Miami. We take the L. Tass and Trey 2-1 here in February. Myself and Lee are 1-2. Tonight's game, Tassie sent it in. Philly in Milwaukee. Ooh, yeah. Here we go. Milwaukee cruising. They're 9 and a half favorites in this. So they got a win by 10 against the Philadelphia 76ers, who are soft who are confused. I mean, yeah, Horford sort of alluding to maybe problems in the locker room and Embiid saying, uh, you know, what was he even saying? Basically like, I did my best to try and fit in, but I don't know, enough of that. So tough one to figure out. It's a TNT game, I believe. So obviously a lot of eyeballs on this. Big spotlight. Taz says he's taking Milwaukee to cover. Mm. So he's already locked in his pick. He's got the Bucks. Where do you guys go? Yeah, I think I'm going to go the Bucks too here. Wow. The, the Sixers are just, you know. Are they going to go 0-4 on a road trip? I know, I know. It's a, I mean, it's a 10-point line. It's a big line, but... You're going Milwaukee? I'll take the Buckies too, yeah. Okay, Buckaroos. Trey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also, I also will go for the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, Joel Embiid might be traded by the time this game is played <laughs> anyway, so who knows? I'm going Sixers. I'm going Sixers, and I actually feel good about this one. I, I, I don't mind hearing some of that uh you know discourse from the from these guys they're frustrated i mean it it, it can either work in your favor because everyone's a little fired up so yeah let's play with a little bit of a backbone or it can go completely the other way and they can get whacked especially against a good bucks team but i'll say tonight they keep it close they don't got to get the win they just got to keep it close so i'll go philly everybody else has the bucks all right that's it for us here with the morning show as i said trade deadline recap later today about 6 30 p.m eastern we'll get it up as soon as we can so just make sure you're subscribed to the No Dogs podcast wherever you listen to it. And don't forget to check out yesterday's Beach Steppin' podcast while you just refresh Twitter all day anyway, waiting on any sort of trades. Posted that yesterday afternoon. It's a lot of fun. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Hopefully we get some trades. You want to make a quick prediction? Come on, give me a prediction. Who, what's the biggest name traded here in the next couple of hours? Marcus Morris. Okay. 
Drew Holiday. Whoa, now that would be exciting. Mm, that's I'm not going to happen, but at least there's a little a smattering of buzz uh, about somebody could come in and steal Drew Holiday if they really wow David Griffin. You know what? Put me down for a Dennis Schroeder. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they're going to move on Gallinari, yeah. maybe they're going to move on a Schroeder and get some more back. All right, so Morris, Drew Holiday, Dennis Schroeder. What a day it will be. <laughs> Embrace the day, people. You could stay.